Let's go. Welcome to another episode of Let's Go Hockey Podcast. And today we had on a very special guest, head coach of the Denver Pioneers, Mr. David Carl. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. As always, I am your co-host, Danny Heath of Project Hockey. And with me is... Pete Kamen of Elevated Hockey. Uh, yeah, and I was fired up for this interview beforehand. And then afterwards, I was even more fired up. I mean, David Carl is coaching one of the top programs in NCAA D1 hockey right now. Um, he's finding success. I mean, he has success as an assistant. He's found success as a head coach. Um, and I think we touched on a really a lot of good points in this episode. I found it really interesting when he kind of started telling his his philosophy in, in building rosters. I think that was a really cool insight into how uh, the mind of a college hockey coach and, and what they do for a successful program there. Um, but but the, the piece about recruiting and, and building balanced rosters and where those guys are coming from, I think that was a really cool insight. What, what about what do you think, Heater? This was unbelievable. Um, you know, he talked all the way from his story where he had to stop playing hockey when he was 17 for for reasons, and then all the way now, this guy's 30 years old and he's in charge of one of the benches of the greatest college hockey teams of all time. And so, tons and tons and tons to learn. Uh, but I loved his thought process on skill development and what that looks like at Denver and what it can look like on a Monday versus a Tuesday or a, uh, the term he used was hard skill development uh, versus, you know, kind of flashier stuff. And both are definitely needed, but the way he talked about it opened my eyes and I learned, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten things from this podcast. So I'm excited for it. Um, I'm excited to jump in coach. What do you say? I'm into it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. This interview was brought to you by HockeyWolf.com. Check out HockeyWolf.com for all things hockey. They are a fantastic brick and mortar and online retailer. They've got everything you need from skates and sticks to shower slips and hoodies. If you love the game of hockey, you got to check out HockeyWolf.com. And for all of you coaches and organizational leaders out there, don't forget Hockey Wolf's team sales option on their website. Next time your team needs helmets or gloves, sticks, skates, jerseys, Go to HockeyWolf.com, get everything that you need so that your guys and girls are ready to hit the ice. Go check them out. Go support Hockey Wolf because they support us. That's H-O-C-K-E-Y-W-O-L-F.com. Our guest today hails from Anchorage, Alaska. After playing his high school hockey at Shattuck St. Mary's and winning back-to-back national titles, he joined the coaching staff of Denver University as a student assistant coach for four years. Had a quick stop with the U.S. under-17 team, winning the gold medal at the 2011 Five Nations Tournament as a video coordinator, and moved on to the Green Bay Gamblers for a season and a half as an assistant coach before returning to Denver and spending four and a half years working at one of the top programs, the NCHC. His time there as an assistant included regular season title, two NCHC Frozen face-off titles, five NCAA tournament appearances, two Frozen Four appearances, in a 2017 national championship. In 2018, he was appointed head coach of DU, the youngest coach in NCAA D1 hockey, and led the team to the Frozen Four. This past season, he just wrapped up a winning uh, year, with second season behind the bench as the head coach. So with that, we'd like to welcome to the podcast, Mr. David Carl. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Pete. Thanks for having me. Danny, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, we're, we're excited to have you on. Thank you for taking the time. I know it seems like we have a little bit more time nowadays, but it's still always hard to squeak stuff like it, like this in. So we appreciate it. But 
we always love to start off with just kind of getting your background. And I know you have a unique story. And um, if you wouldn't mind kind of diving into that and kind of giving the cliff note version of, um, of your career and how you got to where you're at now. Yeah, um, I'm from, like uh, Pete said, from Anchorage, Alaska. Um, grew up with two brothers that played the game, one older, one younger. Um, we grew up playing against each other and in our house, and that's kind of how we fell in love with the game, uh, being in the northern part of the country, a lot of outdoor rinks and things like that. And it led to uh, all three of us actually leaving home at different stages. I, I went to Shattuck. I uh, was fortunate to be able to go there. Uh, followed a good buddy of mine who Danny knows, Eli Zuck. He went the year before me and Nathan hey. Sins as well. And so followed those two guys to Shattuck and went there my grade 10 through grade 12. Had a great experience. Uh, won two championships there under Tom Ward and really learned a lot about the game and um, made a big impact on me and my life uh, just moving away from home at such a young age. And, and then my senior year, I was uh, – I was invited to the NHL Combine, um, did some uh, tests there that all the prospects go through. And unfortunately, well, fortunately, I should say, was uh, diagnosed with a heart condition. They were able to pinpoint something that uh, had gone undetected my whole life and uh, ultimately led to more testing that, that happened at the Mayo Clinic there in Minnesota. And unfortunately, I had to retire from hockey uh, at the age of uh, 17 there in 2008. So uh, from there, I went to the University of Denver. Like Pete made mention, they honored my scholarship, and, and that's kind of how I got into coaching. It was uh, – I didn't know right away that this is what I wanted to do, but each year I was at the university, I, I was given more and more responsibility by George Gwazdecki, his staff, and uh, really started to find a passion for – being involved in the game in this capacity. And um, it's been a blessing so far to be able to do what I've done in my career so far. Yeah. It's like you said, it's a little unexpected route I'm sure for you when you thought you were coming in to be a player and, and ended up behind the bench there, but let's, you, know, you got into the coaching ranks a little bit earlier than expected, but I've got to imagine that helped kind of shape early on, obviously your, your coaching philosophy and some of the, the things that you do there, but if you could maybe share a little bit about that, like your coaching philosophy and how that translates into, um, you know, the pioneer team and, and program and culture that you have there. Yeah. Um, I think it certainly, I mean, it's, I, I kind of joke that I, I got a finance degree, but I also got a degree in coaching, uh, from the university and just the staff I got to work with and be around and how much opportunity they gave me. And I really got to start with, uh, not very much responsibility. I was really uh, doing skills sessions before and after practice. I got to, I think, learn from the players just as much as hopefully they were learning from me as far as teaching techniques and um, talking with them through their games, through video, and then on the ice of actual skill implementation and things of that nature. So um, it was a really good way to start. When I went to Green Bay, I obviously got to do more things, had more responsibility. And uh, I've been shaped, I guess, in my coaching philosophies by the people that I've been around. Um, in Tom Ward, who I mentioned, who I played for at Shattuck, and Jim Montgomery, George Gwazdecki, and Derek Lalonde. And um, I think what's really important for us and our success at Denver, um, within the framework of how we play, is 
uh, we really try to focus on the fundamentals of the game, um, simplifying things, um, you know, underhandling pucks, doing, being able to do more with our eyes up, um, angling our puck pressure, our sticks on the ice, just having good habits and fundamentals to our game um, as individuals. So it allows us to play kind of a, a real solid team game. And so that's kind of the foundational pieces of our game when I guess we get into uh, what we value in our program. Um, we put a high premium on, uh, on communication and honest communication from coaches to players, players to coaches and players to players trying to um, have a real open and honest, I think, uh, relationship with one another that's vulnerable and allows everybody to, to grow within it. If you don't know where you're at, it's hard to know where you're going to go. And um, so we try and be as honest as we can with one another about where people are at so that we can help individuals grow within our team framework. Yeah, that's a unique way to look at it. A um, couple of things that I obviously took away was um, one, it's obvious that your mindset carries over into the culture at Denver because even when you told your story, uh, you started off talking about like, un unfortunately, uh, you were diagnosed and then you caught yourself and you're like, well, fortunately, because it, it shaped who you are. And so you can tell that that carries over and being vulnerable and being honest in that communication. And so I think that's big and it's no secret that your school turns out NHL player after NHL player, which is a credit to that culture. What are some things that you kind of do within your program just to prepare them, uh, just to move on? Like, um, you know, I, I know a few guys that have played there and they, they talk about it, like it's ran like an NHL team as far as what's expected and how you do things. And so what kind of things would you say sets, sets your school apart that prepares guys to go on to the next level? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, um, listen, in a lot of programs and places are, are doing these things these days. Um, you know, I, I think there's more and more of an attention to detail on every part of, of players' lives when, at the point in time when we get them. And so their days are very structured. Their meals are structured. Um, the, the science and the sports science behind everything, I think, um, allows us to give them even more resources to succeed. So we've, um, we've added a lot in our time um, since we've been here the last six, seven years. I mean, we bring our incoming guys in um, before their freshman year and they get three classes. They get six weeks of training with Matt our strength coach. Um, we do summer class all throughout their career. So they get to come back and do that. We have, uh, we have ice in the morning. We have ice at a regular practice time. So there's plenty of time to get on the ice, do more skill development. Um, the video resources that we have, from recording practice to uh, the, the film that they get in games and just the, the tools that they have for all of that. It's uh, the amount of planning, I guess, is the biggest thing that I think um, we try and supply our guys with. I don't think it's micromanaging. It's, it's showing them the resources and that they have to be able to, to learn how to use them themselves and to figure out um, – in a way like how it makes them successful and um, they got to take personal responsibility and personal ownership for utilizing the resources available to them. Because um, I think one thing we have to be careful of in today's society is um, 
leading people to water and then also forcing them to drink. Like you can only do so much that there's gotta be some responsibility on the player to want it. And I think that that's a lot of our, what we talk about too, is like, we're going to show you how to have success, how to grow, how to get better. But it's on you as an individual to take advantage of these resources and, and what you choose to do with it's on you. If you want to use them, you're going to, you're going to grow. If you don't, then um, you're not. And, and that's going to get exposed really fast at this level and the next. For sure. Do you have uh you talked about, you have morning ice who, who usually runs those skates. Do you have someone that breaks like individual video down with guys to just focus on skill work? Yeah. So we'll, uh, I guess kind of our video process. Um, I'll watch every game back that we have. I'll clip uh, things from a team perspective. I'll clip things from an individual perspective. Um, our, one of my assistants, Dallas Ferguson will watch specifically for defensemen. Um, that video is available to our guys as early as Monday morning. Um, so they can come in, start watching their film. We'll typically try and watch video with each player, uh, especially our younger players once every two or three weeks, uh, with our older players, they have a pretty good sense. A lot of times we'll pair up an older player and a younger player type of thing. Um, and then to answer your question, the, the morning ice, um, again, that's, we make that aware to our players. Um, this is available. If you want to go out there, text us, call us. We will go out on the ice with you. Um, if you want to go out by yourself, that's free to you as well to be able to do that. Um, but we put the responsibility on the individual uh, on that skills ice. We don't make that mandatory uh, because guys have different uh, – they have different needs. Maybe they're – they got something hurt or they have class at that time. They got a project that's due. They have other responsibilities that they need to make sure that they're managing. And so they may not be able to consistently uh, be out there week in and week out. So it's there. It's a, it's a tool and a resource that's available for them to use. And one of our assistants will go on the ice with them when they do go out there. Awesome. Awesome. So you just, you kind of just laid out a skeleton of, of kind of what you do as a program, as far as the tools and the resources that are at your disposal and, and kind of builds that skeleton. But what, you know, while you've been there, you've been part of multiple league championships, frozen fours, NCAA championship teams. So there's obviously more than, you know, the amount of ice time and, and the amount of video time and things like that. So can you pinpoint some of the intangibles or the team characteristics of some of those more successful seasons and, and, and how that's helped develop your culture uh, at, at, at Denver? Uh, yeah, I think it's, um, you know, for us, there's a lot of, uh, pro like, there's a premium put on putting the program and the team in front of yourself. Um, we're not a program that is built on, like, we'll never have three or four first-rounders. Um, we try and limit um you know like we'll never have more than 10 draft picks on our team uh we have some high-end young talent that comes to our program but when i look like our championship team had three true freshmen on it that was it um i think next year's team will have two to four on it max like uh our job is to win hockey games uh, first and foremost. And, uh, 
and that's what I get. It's what I get paid to do. And so the way we build our roster is such that we have um, some young players that maybe are drafted that are pretty highly talented, and we try and surround them with older junior players that you know some of you got that nobody would ever hear of, but they were really important pieces to our team. And I think what is unique about how things happen within our team structure is that might be the Denver might be the highest level that the majority of our team plays at. And so they have a high level of care for what happens. And I think it, it's really beneficial for a Borgstrom, a Terry, a Gambrell to be around some of those older guys like Jansen and Marcinu and Romig. Um, and they get them completely bought into the team framework and, um, and it works really well. And it's not a blueprint that we've created. It's been at Denver for a long time. Um, they've always recruited this way. And I think it's given us an opportunity to have success. And the last thing I'll say is like, we put a, we talk a lot about value that's brought. We don't talk a lot about like role definition. Um, we, you know, just because you play 12 minutes a night and another guy plays 26 minutes a night, that doesn't devalue the 12 minutes that you do play. And so we talked a lot about that. Like what, what value do you bring to the team? And, and we share that with our players. Uh, we try to on a regular basis and we try and get them to share with each other uh, what they value about each other's own games. And it's not necessarily what happens in the 60 minutes of the game, but it could be what happens on Monday and Tuesday. It could be what happens in the classroom. Um, there's a lot of different components that, and ways to bring value to a team at the college level. And I, we feel it's really important to acknowledge that um, so that everybody feels like they are a huge part of the success of the program. For sure. Um yeah, and I was just looking back because that kind of struck a chord with me. And because you said, um, you said it really, it's been this way for a while at Denver. And I can remember watching back in, I think, 2002 when it, uh, it was their, your second back to back uh, national championship or the second championship of a back to back. And I can remember the captain of that team. Um, I think it was Gabe. Am I, I don't know if I'm saying it right. Gauthier? Gauthier? How do you say Yeah. Gauthier. And yeah. so I can remember watching that game uh and like asking my mom who doesn't really know a ton about hockey like hey is this is this guy gonna play in the nhl and she's like well i i, I mean i think so like he he's captain of denver and i know he had a little bit of stint in the nhl but he didn't he wasn't a regular and it goes to show like he's captain of a of a national championship team and yet he's not this high-end uh draft pick and so it was cool it's cool to hear you say that 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 culture is sticking around and You've had you've had the opportunity to be coached by uh, was or be coached by and I guess by and with Wasdecki and and Jim Montgomery along with others and so what are some of the main things that you kind of learned from those guys? Yeah, I think um, for me, you know, there's not really two better people to to learn from in the college world as far as uh, how to coach and how to run a program, and so you know. With uh, with George, it was, you know, I thought the way uh, that he just managed a program um, from top to bottom, all the other stuff that, you know, that people don't see that, that head coaches have to do, um, but from the alumni to different events to um, managing things with the administration, um, 
it was really impressive uh, the professionalism that that he had, and and I really respect too. Like I was a student assistant coach, and he always asked me for my opinion. Like George wanted to hear from everybody. Um, he really, I think, decentralized um, power too. Like he had his assistants watching a lot of video, gave him a lot of responsibility. Um, and it was a really great thing for me as a young coach to be able to get some of that at such a young age and have that level of trust. So, um, and then with Monty, you know, a lot of the same things, I mean, um, really impressive guy that they are, they're very different. They're unique, um, but both really successful in how they do things. And, um, you know, Monty taught me a lot of just how to prepare for an opponent. And um, the, I think the, uh, the value in a routine and doing the same thing week after week, day after day, so that your team, um, at the end of the year, they're just like they're firing on all cylinders. And um, the preparation for a pros and poor game is the same as, um, you know, the St. Cloud game in November. And so, I think it showed me how, how valuable that can be. And I really love, you know, a lot of what we talk about as far as valuing everybody in the lineup. Um, I got a lot of that stuff from Monty. Like I thought he was really impressive in his ability to get the whole team, even guys who weren't playing to understand how important they were into the success of the team. And uh, certainly that's something um, that we try and carry on. And, and both have been huge influences on me. Do you just wear choppers on the ice like Wazdecki did? No, I don't. I wear regular gloves. <laughs> <laughs> but does sick move, though. He's, yeah, he's yeah. the only one I, I know that does that. it. He's the only, yeah, he's the only one that Jerry I've ever York seen. Jerry might do it, too. I think Jerry okay. might also do it at BC, but. Uh, yeah, you got to be in uh, you got to be in high society to do that. You got to have done some things to have the clearance <laughs> yeah. to wear those. Power move, that's for sure. Hundred <laughs> percent. You mentioned, uh, David. You mentioned real quick um, power of routine. Can you touch on maybe a little bit of your coaching routine? Yeah, I mean, I uh, I guess a normal week for for me would be I, I wake up fairly early on Monday. I get in. Um, I break down our Saturday night game and then I get going on our next opponent. Uh, typically I'll watch at least four periods of our uh, next opponent. I usually get that done by Tuesday morning. Um, Monday's practice is typically maybe some things that we wanted to correct from our weekend um, habits wise um, as we prepare for, you know, especially early in years, we're building our own team game. and then. Um, Tuesday, we focus really on our own end, breaking pucks out in our defensive zone coverage. Um, and so prepare clips for that, show it to the team as far as our upcoming opponent. Wednesday takes more of an offensive um, component to it with our ozone play, what we're going to do on our neutral zone counters. Um, and then Thursday is, uh, you know, our four check, our neutral zone four check, and then uh, some special teams is mixed in throughout there. But um, typically, my my workload is heavier early in the week, uh, watching film and getting things cut. And as the week goes on, it's just it's just pulling things. If I uh, if I wrote organized comments on them, then it, it's a lot easier, you know. And then we get into Friday, Saturday, and do it all again the next week. Yeah, I think 
I think that power, like you said, in the routine is huge. And um, anytime you can get into that flow where it's just like expected and it, it just kind of feeds into your culture there. And so switching gears, but kind of pulling just from your, your knowledge and your experience and, and what you've done so far in our game, a big thing that we like to do is just give advice for, for hockey players, youth hockey players specifically, and youth hockey coaches. So do you, do you have anything out there for, let's, let's talk about youth hockey players first that, um, you know, not very often does, you know, a, a peewee in Minnesota get to talk to the, the head coach of Denver University and say, hey, do you have any advice for me? So if you want to maybe shed some light on some of these kids that are listening. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, for me, like at that age, it's trying to have as much fun as possible. Um, I think the, the, there's been a paradigm shift in our culture and within USA Hockey to try and make hockey more fun for everyone. And I think that that's a really good thing. And I love what we do um, in the U.S. now with the ADM and in our youth sports. Um, I'd also, I, you know, again, the science says to – to play more sports, like to get outside and do other stuff. Don't be, I don't think you need to be obsessed with hockey um, at the age of, you know, 12. And I would argue that you don't even need it at the age of 14 or 15. Like we're talking about it through this coronavirus. Like we're not going to have much summer recruiting to do. And um, I don't think that that's a bad thing for kids. Like a lot of these kids who can't go to the rink right now, haven't not gone to the rink in a really long time. And so I just think a reprieve from the sport is actually a good thing. I remember, like, we never played sports in the summer um, up in Alaska. We never did any summer hockey. We were just up at our lake um, doing water sports and stuff like that. But by the time, you know, mid-July rolled around, like, I couldn't wait for hockey season to start again. And I just – when you take a break from something, it reignites the joy and the feeling that you have when you step on the ice again for the first time. So I just encourage kids and really parents not to make it a year-round thing. You're not losing ground by not being on the ice in the middle of June. Yeah, I, I fully agree with you on that. And, and I think that's important for someone in your position to say that because I think there's always, at least in the U.S. here, there's always a kind of a keeping up with the Joneses where and a lot of times it's the parents driven where they, they feel like their kids are going to get left behind if, if they don't do that spring team or they don't do so many camps in the summers or they don't you know play full year round. But I think you're exactly right. Being able to play a couple different sports and just take a break and come back even more recharged than before and, and help avoid that burnout factor is a, is a key thing that I think is important for someone in your position to, to relay. Cause sometimes that message gets missed from some of the parents around the country. So I agree with you on that one. Let me let me switch switch gears on you here um, and move to the coaching role. Uh, so if you had, or this is the opportunity, if you had some advice for a youth hockey coach uh, that's you know coaching somewhere somewhere in that twelve to fifteen age bracket, um, prior you know maybe even as high school but before a junior career, um, what kind of advice would you extend to a youth hockey coach? Yeah, I think it would be to try and teach as much fundamentals as you can. Um, I think we, we try and complicate the game um, in today's world. I think, you know, these, these kids, they got so much access to um, skills coaches, video coaches, um, this and that apparatus. And um, 
you know, for me, like if you can't pass, shoot, skate, angle, you're just not going to be able to play at a real high level. So um, I think keeping it simple, stupid, honestly, is uh, is what's best. Like I just, just a lot of time focusing on fundamental skill development and um, to, to try and make your kids better. And I think it's it's encompassing that too with, with trying to make it fun. I mean, we just talked about burnout rate. Um, kids do need to enjoy coming to the rink and they got to know that it's they're playing the game to have fun. And I remember when I was growing up, I, I also liked how we would switch positions. Like we'd go for a month. I was a defenseman, you know, for most all my life. And But for every season, we'd go for like, two or three times we'd go for two week three week stretches of playing forward and doing different and just having to learn the game from a different perspective and that's even something that we do here we'll do practices where we'll have our defensemen play forward and we'll have our forwards play d just so that they get a little bit of a different perspective and some appreciation for how hard each position is because every d-man thinks forwards are stupid and forwards think the D-men have the easiest job in the world because they don't have to skate very much. So it's like right. um, get outside your comfort zone with that, I think, and, and just try and learn about the game. Yeah. I've even heard of coaches like uh, – and we used to do this back uh, youth hockey one time where you just switch sticks with a lefty and a righty and you would play your opposite <laughs> yeah. hand just to start and have a little fun. Um, I, I think it will also be interesting – I don't know how you could ever tell, but if like a lot of kids nowadays are getting overuse injuries and uh, hip surgery by the time they're 15, I wonder if this pause will have, well, like we'll see a drop in that number. So I, I'm, I'm kind of interested in that, but yeah, uh, yeah, it would be. Yeah. We certainly have had kids. I think we've had two in the last three years that have had hip surgery prior to coming, you know, right. and um, obviously the labrum is a, is a major thing in hockey right now, then a lot of it is, yeah, it is overuse for sure. Yeah. You talked about, you talked a lot about fundamentals. Is there like three things that are kind of non-negotiables for the Denver pioneers? Like we're doing these three drills every week, or we're doing these three things, every practice uh, outside of like systems and, and power play and stuff like that. Like, is there like, we, we do this because it helps with angling. We do this because it helps keep our passing crisp. Yeah, so I think three three things do come to mind. We implemented it, uh, the first one in the uh, second half here where uh, Tavis, uh, one of my assistants, um, stole a one-timer drill um, that has a lot of reps and it's, it's a four-dots drill and we do it every day. Like, if you can't shoot off the pass, uh, we have a belief that it's really hard to score goals. And if you look at... Um, a lot of the goals we score, a lot of goals that are scored in the NHL, you have to be able to shoot off the pass in different spots. So that would be a fundamental skill that we worked on every day um, from January 1 on this year. Um, two other things that I would say that we do on a weekly basis is we'll do some form of puck protection um, in and along the wall, whether it's um, trying to create space for yourself by getting off the wall and then cutting back. Um, or if you're tied up against the wall and the guy's right on you and you have to use kind of a bump back and open up your hips and push off in that way. So we'll work on our, our uh, puck protection skills, and I think that's a skill that every player can, can use, defensemen and forwards alike, 
Um, and then we'll also typically do an angling drill um, every week. Some, dr some drill that has some form of puck pressure where we're having to skate forwards, where we're not allowed to skate backwards, that's D-man included, um, and angling from the middle of the ice out. Those would be, I guess, three things that come to mind for me off the top of my head. I love that. Three, uh, three major pillars of the game that I think in a lot of youth at the youth level is probably overlooked. You know, it's, it's, there's such simple skills that everything you just listed, but can at every single level of the game from, from higher than yours and lower than yours it is, you know, it's a huge part of, of the actual gameplay. So I love hearing that answer. That's, that's awesome. Um, David, let's let's switch gears here and jump into uh, some of the listener questions. So a couple days ago, before we uh, we had this call, we posed it out to some of our audience that um, what questions would they want to ask you? And so we've got a couple of them here we picked out. So the first one here, um, as a college coach, winning is important. However, how much focus is put on player development each week? Is it more in the half or in the first half of the year or less in the second half of the year? Is there is that a consistent part of DU hockey? And that comes from uh, 11 Hockey 11. Perfect. Good question. Um, yeah, so we, I would say that a lot of our drills, we try to make them all as game-like as we can. Like they're, we don't just do things to do things. And so there's, I would say there's a skill development component to a lot of what we do, whether it's, again, one-touching passes, shooting off the pass, tipping and screening, um, D-men one-timing pucks to come low to high, um, things like that, getting used to wall play. Um, those are all things that are, that are skills. Like, and I just, some of them are hard skills that people maybe don't perceive as skill development, but if you're not good along the walls, like, you're, you're going to be um, – doing yourself a disservice. So um, I would say that early in the year, and it, a lot of it depends on our team too, like a younger team, we're going to be working a lot on our puck pressure, our angling, how we want to play without the puck, especially early in the year so that we can look like a cohesive group of five on the ice. Um, as the year goes on, we may do more um, – you know, Monday practices that are completely skills where we split up into three groups uh, for 40 minutes and we're doing 15 minutes in each section, you know, um, with a more veteran group like we're going to have next year, I would perceive us doing um, shorter practices and more skill development as a part of our practice, like more concentrated puck skills um, and things like that. So it, it varies year to year and it also varies on the needs of your team and where they're at mentally and um, those types of things. So I, the only thing I would, I would say though, again, is skill development, I think has gotten a, it's kind of a, a cute word to use right now. Um, and I think people envision it with, you know, um, apparatuses and stuff like that on the ice, but there's hard skill development that is a huge part of the game still that needs to be developed through um, competition and game-like drills and practice. So I think that's a part of skill development as well. Absolutely. I, I just had that uh, same conversation with Tim Jackman, just the idea of like, you know, you don't need, and, and you know, I, I'm, I'm guilty of it, I guess you could say, of just putting stuff on the ice. Um, and half of that is for, for flash, and the other half of that is just to keep kids engaged. But then there's a whole 
other side of things that I don't show off all the time. Because like you said, they're hard skills. and People don't necessarily want to see that or watch that, but it's a huge important part. And uh, Jackman kind of hit it on the, on the head with that. Just like the, these things need to be worked on. Like the, the ability yeah. or just to be able to hammer, like even hammer a slap shot. Like we've lost that that feel for the game. And he, he talked about that for like an hour. It was, it was a good conversation. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I do, I do think that apparatuses do engage kids. They do get excited. Attention spans are yeah. different now than they were 10 years ago. And so you, you do need to be creative and use some of those things to, um, to get their brains excited, I think. Um, yeah. and that, and that goes for kids at our level too, but you know, it's, it's funny. Like we run, we've run some face-off plays where the puck's got to get up off the glass and you know, like that's a skill, you know, yeah. like ask Robert Bortuzzo or Jackman, like that's a skill that, that literally you, if you're six, two and you're good defensively and you know how to put a puck off a piece of window and out in the neutral zone and don't ice it, like you can play a long time. So right. there's just like, there's different skills for different people. And there, there is hard skill that uh, we can't forget about too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the next question we got comes from only underscore hockey underscore page. Uh, and it was just what goes into recruiting a player? That's a lot of underscores. Yeah, it's a lot of underscores. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, recruiting players. Uh, yeah, again, it's different for each program. Um, ours, um, we talked about it initially, like, we really try and speak open and honestly in the recruiting process too about what we value in a player's game and where we think we can help them. Um, and we try to, we try not to overpromise and under deliver. Like we'll, we'll never be a school that says you're going to play on the first line and on the first power play and those types of things. Um, and so recruiting is, it's certainly, at our level, it's the name of the game. You get to choose the players that you bring into your program and the people you bring into your program. And um, so for us, we recruit a lot in Western Canada, Western U.S., um, spend a lot of time watching junior hockey, try to have a balance of when players come in at what ages. They're not all true freshmen. A lot of them are 19, 20-year-olds when they come. And uh, we try and do it with as, as an upfront and honest approach as we can so that we're getting kids um, – committing for the right reasons but also saying no for the right reasons it's it's just as important to show who you are to some kids and some families and to see if they like that and if they don't then they go somewhere else and at the end of the day that's a good thing for your program yeah i've I've got to imagine that the honesty is probably with, with those players and the parents. I mean, that's such a big life decision of which program to go to. And if you can build that reputation of honestly presenting that, that, you know, whether it's a prominent program like Denver or, or any program really at any level, um, you know, I think that's a key point you just mentioned of representing yourself truthfully and, and, and really portraying who you are and what you are as a, as a program is really going to attract the people you want then too. You know, yeah, it comes down to, to the relationships and, and the trust factor because it's a – you guys all know it. It's a huge commitment. It's a huge decision to choose where you're going to spend, you know, four formative years of your life. And, um, yeah, as, as authentic as you can be with it and um, as upfront as you can be with it, I think it, uh, it hopefully gives the families – 
that uh, feeling of comfort and trust to be able to give you their kid for four years. It's not a responsibility to be taken lightly in, in any way. Very true. The, um, the next question, I mean, you kind of touched on this already, but uh, I'll go ahead and ask it anyway. The, our, uh, <coughs> our listener, Elm, uh, M. Wilkie8, M. Wilkie Hockey 8 asks, where do you recruit from and is there a number one league you pull recruits from? So maybe you kind of touched that in a little bit, but yeah, if you can kind of break through where a lot of your roster seems to be coming from and where you're looking. Yeah, uh, a lot of it is, like I said, it's Western U.S., Western Canada. Uh, for the most part, we will um, go outside that on occasion into Detroit. Um, we do. We made a concerted effort probably five, six years ago to start getting into uh, Finland, and that's led to fin- – we have a Finn, a Swede, and a region on our team uh, this past year, and so we've tried to get more of a Scandinavian influence. Denver has had that in the past or in the 90s, and so we've tried to bring that back. and feel that we have and um so yeah that's primarily where we recruit out of ushl ajhl uh, bchl uh, would be the primary junior leagues north american league as well and and then we're watching midget hockey too but those would be the primary leagues that we watch yeah awesome i think just a ton of stuff that i'm pulling away just like your mindset of like from when you started and then, then you even just spoke about like, I want to make sure kids are saying yes for the right reason, but then also no for the right reason. And I've never really heard anyone talk about, talk about it like that. And so I think just the culture and the mindset there again, just to point that out. But the last, the last question here before we kind of close things up. um, And I know you talked about uh, a little bit, just like guys that go on to play in the NHL and having a balance of non-drafted kids versus, you know, those, those veterans and those high picks. But the question was, um, what are the top attributes that separate a player that gets drafted slash goes to the NHL versus um, that doesn't end up making it there? Yes, I think I'd like to answer probably more just on the guys that um, maybe make it into successful um, Yeah pro hockey and maybe that's not even fair because it it does take a lot to to play at the d1 level and um you know we talk about it with our guys a lot it's i guess it'll be in two part but like the guys that typically make it i guess um they start to treat hockey like um maybe a, a job is maybe not the right word but they they start to act like a pro at a really uh young age and and within their time with us they're very regimented on what they put into their body how they're taking care of their body the skill work that they put in their level of intensity every day in practice their consistency in practice and in games and those those guys typically um it will translate but i'll say like you can do everything right and it's still not going to translate like you're just you're either a not going to get an opportunity or b you know, some bad things could, could happen. Like it just, there's so much that's out of your control. It's, it's, right. it's really hard to make it to the NHL and you could do everything right. Never eat dessert, you know, whatever it is that you think you're doing and the other guy's not. And sometimes life isn't fair and you don't make it for whatever reason. And so, um, you know, I guess that's what I would say on it, but it's, like I said, it's typically guys who start acting like a pro 
early on give themselves the best chance to, to be able to have that opportunity. That's an interesting way to look at it. I, I think that's important for a lot of players to hear um, just about treating it like a pro as, as early as, you know, not as early as they can, but, it, but building that into their process, I think is. Yeah. I, I think I mean that more in their time with us. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's like we talked about routine before it's, you know, we work a lot with our guys on building routine and it's like you can, and that's why college is great, but you, you ask some players like, when's your pregame routine start? I said, well, Thursday night I do this. It's like, well, maybe you should start that, start thinking about games on Monday and the ice bath you take and the prehab you do and the lift that you do on Wednesday. It's like the more you can build it out and um, think about how certain actions have there's a cause and effect relationship to everything, right? And um, you're always going to pay a price. You just don't know what it is, and you don't necessarily know when it's going to be. Uh, but you can control that by when you, uh, by the work you put in, you know. Yeah, just controlling controlling what you're able to. I think that's a good message. And with that, I think we're kind of getting close on time here. So, Coach, I appreciate you coming on and talking with us today. I think there's, you know, we scratched the surface on a lot of important topics, and and there's a lot of good pieces, solid pieces of advice for players, parents, and coaches out there. Uh, before we sign off here, um, do you have any any final words or final thoughts that you want to send out to the the, the listening group? I don't. Um... Yeah, I mean, I guess like we, we've touched on it, but we're living in a time of crisis. And um, I think it's an opportunity to, we're all getting a different perspective right now because we don't get to do what we love and go to the rink every day and, and do that. And so I think it's a time to reflect um, on how fortunate and how grateful we should be that we get to be a part of this game. It's a time to, I think, acknowledge the people that are, out there doing their passion and that's our medical workers who are taking care of everybody. And, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting time, but it's a time to, like I say, to reflect and grow and to, uh, don't let it just pass by by playing video games and, um, Snapchatting, like use your time valuably. And, um, it's a time to pass people. Uh, that's what I would say to, I guess, players out there listening, and even coaches, like coaches want to climb up the ranks, like get better during this time, like invest time into video and um, learning about the game and talking to people because um, coaches compete against each other too for jobs. And so all in all, I just think it's a, it's a it's the moment in time we've been given. Let's take advantage of it. Yeah, there's always, always a silver lining and there's always a way, like you said, to get better at it. And um I, that's awesome advice. So we appreciate that. So coach here, you can check him out. He's obviously the head coach at Denver university. So, so go check out their, their Instagram and Facebook stuff. Du underscore hockey. That's kind of another thing that's, that's changed a little bit since, since I was playing college, just the, the social media and what, what guys have access to and, and what like even seeing themselves on feeds and stuff. But that's a, that's a whole nother topic. And, and just like our conversation today, I'm sure there's, well, I know there's a bunch more that we could dive into, so we'd love to have you on again. But before before we do say our goodbyes, we always ask our guests to just say, let's go. All right. One, two, three, let's go. Love it. Thank you. Thanks again for coming on. Uh, time is invaluable, and so uh, we're using this time to get better, which is why why we started something like this, and we appreciate having you on, Coach. 
Yeah, truly appreciate awesome. it. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me. Um, you guys are doing great work and I look forward to listening to all your podcasts. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Well, that was awesome. Thank you, Coach Carl, for jumping on the Let's Go Hockey podcast. Uh, honestly, it was definitely a treat, and it's an episode that I guarantee you I'm going to go back and listen to three or four more times because there's so many different things that you can take away from it. So let's dive into a few of those things. Let's start with our three stars. What do you got for number three, Coach? Yeah, third star of the night. Uh, I you know I coach a college team, and I thought it was unbelievably interesting hearing him talk about how he builds out his roster from the type of the kids that he recruits to creating a balanced roster where he wants, you know, it's really high skill guys. Sometimes are a little bit younger and his older guys are, are, are like the depth guys or the hardworking guys on the team that have pride and program um, because they realize that that might be the last stop in their playing career and they keep the roster in check and lead by example. And those guys tend to be a little bit older coming up, aging out of juniors. Um, and, and talking about how he's he's getting some skill guys from Scandinavia and, and just getting a little peek into his his idea of, of roster building and recruiting is fascinating to me. So I'd love I mean I could talk to him for hours just on that. But uh, for me, that's the third star: the importance of roles on a team and building a balanced lineup throughout your roster in order to to put out a a, a team and a squad that's going to be successful. Second second star of the night. I'm going to lean on uh, what you talked about in uh in skill development two ways he talked about for for youth coaches the importance of 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 the simple things and the little things and building that uh that foundation skill set into the players making sure that if a player wants to succeed he's got to know how to skate he's got to know how to shoot he's got to know all the little things and have that uh those skills dialed in and and available in their their tool set if they really want to compete at a higher level and then at you know at his level the d1 level they're still working on those things you know they still have set skill practices and and time set aside to work on the the individual skills and how important that is for a player's development whether they're topping out at their youth level or their the college level or he's preparing guys to go on and play in the nhl and i think that's a huge takeaway that a guy that's that's you know, competing at and coaching at that, that top level for Denver is talking about how the little things matter and the simple things at the youth level. You've got the coaches, you got to get your, your players playing the right way and learning the, the small individual things because it will translate into the team game. So for me, that's the second star. I thought it was great. What do you have for the first star, Danny? Yeah. And before, before I jump into that, he kind of alluded, and I don't know if that's the right word, but he you can cut that out if we need to, but he alluded to, to the idea that, um, Holy cow, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> Hold on. I had something. This is going to have to be cut out. Oh, okay. Okay, hold on. All right, let me start again. Um, yeah, and before before I jump into that, you know, he kind of alluded to the idea, and I, I hope that's the right word, but having an older team, and which is like how he likes to build his roster, if he has a, an older team, he has to spend less time on like team concept type of stuff, right? And so then they can spend more time in skill development. He's, you know, he kind of says how it changes as his team changes. But if you can build over and over again, which Denver has done, they have eight national championships. But if you can build those type of teams where you can have the veteran leadership over and over again to be able to focus on skill development, like, holy cow, it's going to be a matter of time before they get to 10, uh, which I know is a goal of his. And so that would be, that'd be awesome. But um, first star, First star of the night um, goes to just his mindset. And when you think about this, like the story that he has, you know, a kid from Anchorage, Alaska, that 
uh, went, moved down to Minnesota and worked his way up and then was 17 years old and was said, Hey, sorry, but you can't play the game you love anymore. And taking advantage of that, um, in a positive way versus having a negative mindset. Cause when he spoke about that, he originally said, you know, unfortunately I had to stop playing and he stopped. He said, well, actually, fortunately. And, uh, he took advantage of it. And like, like we were talking about offline, this guy was 28 years old leading, uh, the bench of one of the greatest college hockey teams and, um, of all time. And so that type of mindset, and then that carried over, um, all the way into the end of the podcast when he talked about recruiting and how they want players and recruits to say yes to Denver university for the right reason and to say no for the right reason. And I've never heard a coach talk like that where, uh, we don't, want kids to commit here just because we're Denver, which I'm sure they could. They want kids to commit there because, you know, because they're Denver and they want to be a part of that. Right. And you can kind of look at that in two different ways. And so that's just a huge thing. And any youth hockey player, any youth coach, any, anybody actually should listen to his story and understand that you can find something, something good out of anything. And he was able to do that, especially at a young age. And so, you know, we appreciate, appreciate you coming on coach. Um, we'd love to have you on again. Obviously you have a wealth of knowledge and you're only gaining that, um, as we move forward. And so thanks again, go ahead and make sure you check them out, uh, at du underscore hockey. Um, they're always doing cool stuff on there and then just kind of follow along on the, on his journey because he's got a lot left in this game and I I'm a huge fan of him and I'm excited to, to connect with him again down the road. So what do you got coach? Yeah, me too. It was, uh, it was pretty cool having an opportunity to talk with him. I I've been watching Denver for a long time and, uh, to be able to talk kind of the nitty gritty with him was, was a pretty cool experience. But like you said, guys got a lot of knowledge. Uh, coach Carl, thank you. Truly appreciate you coming on here. Hope to do it again sometime. Best of luck in the recruiting this off season and, and best of luck next season. Um, but with that, if, if anybody listening, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you subscribe give us a like, give us a, a review, tell your friends, teammates, whoever gives, uh, get, get, get that out there. And then also as always, you know, we're always taking suggestions or questions for upcoming guests. So if you're interested in, in getting, uh, getting your questions answered directly by our guests, just shoot us a DM on our let's go hockey podcast, Instagram, or to, uh, Danny hype or to elevated hockey. We'll get those questions out there. Um, but with that, I think that's all I've got. It was just awesome having coach Carl come on the podcast. So like I said, we really appreciate it. Uh, and we're looking forward to the next one. So I think that's all I got for today. I think we wrap this thing up. What do you say here? Let's go. All right, let's go hockey podcast listeners. This is producer Vinny just wrapping up the show with you. Huge thank you to David Carl once again. If you'd like to check out links for DU Hockey, scroll down. They will be in the description. Thank you so much to him for coming on. And we'd like to thank our sponsors to wrap up the show. HockeyWolf.com. I talked about them earlier. Go visit HockeyWolf.com. Use their team sales option on their website. And finally, Gel Stick Sports. If you play hockey, lacrosse, or golf and want the most out of your next training session, then you need to visit GelSticks.com today. Gel Sticks are two and a half times heavier than standard shafts or sticks meaning you get to train harder and maximize the work you're putting into each session. Right now, if you visit Gelsticks, you'll get 20% off your entire order when you use promo code LETSGO at checkout. That's L-E-T-S-G-O at checkout. So go open your browser, type in gelsticks.com, that's G-E-L-S-T-X.com, fill up your cart with everything you could ever want, and then use promo code LETSGO to let them know that we sent you. We love Gelsticks, and we hope you do too. 
Once again, thank you, Gelsticks. Thank you, Hockey Wolf. And thank you to listeners. We love you guys, and we'll see you next time.